Topic 6, First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. 20th Century Negro Literature Topic 6 First Paper by Attorney Reuben S. Smith Reuben S. Smith, Attorney at Law, Number 420, 5th Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C., was born in Jackson County, Florida, April 1, 1854. He received his early education in the common schools of Mariana in that county, and at Howard University, Washington, D.C. Before coming to Washington, he taught school for a time, and in 1876 served as an alternate delegate-at-large from Florida to the National Republican Convention held at Cincinnati, Ohio. As a resident of the national capital, he served as a clerk in the United States Treasury Department, in the office of the sixth auditor and in that of the second auditor. He was also Washington correspondent of several newspapers, but after graduating from the law department of the Howard University in 1883, was admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia, and has since been successfully employed in the practice of his profession. He has not only established a lucrative private business, but has acted as attorney for a life insurance company and other corporations. In November 1899, he was unanimously elected moderator of the Conference of the Congregational Churches of Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, and the District of Columbia, and is superintendent of the Lincoln Memorial Congregational Church Sunday School. Mr. Smith was a delegate to the National Republican Convention held at chicago in eighteen eighty and a special agent of the eleventh census of the united states eighteen ninety assigned to the work of collecting the statistics of the recorded indebtedness of the state of florida it is therefore evident that he is a man of versatility as well as ability. Biographical Encyclopedia of the United States. The subject of this sketch also served as Assistant Sergeant at Arms of the Philadelphia National Republican Convention of 1900. He has been attorney in several important cases in the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia involving damage suits against large corporations and has been generally successful he has also 
been retained in many equity real estate and contested will cases wherein he has been equally successful he has been almost exclusively engaged in civil practice during his experience of fourteen years as a practitioner before the supreme court of the district mr and mrs smith are domiciled at seven hundred and fifteen second street northwest where they have resided for the past twenty years two children survived to them master jerome bonaparte a student at howard university and miss rosa virginia a pupil in the washington high school at first glance the above question would seem to be fully answered with one word comprising but two letters namely n o and yet upon second thought it will be seen that that answer would not apply for the reason that the alleged criminal negro seldom reaches a courthouse in the south before alleged summary justice is visited upon him by an unreasoning judge lynch the fact that the question is asked whether the criminal negro is justly dealt with in the courts of the south would imply that there is at least a doubt as to the genuineness of the justice meted out to him there in legal phraseology a criminal is one who has been duly convicted of crime this being so it would seem that my first inquiry should be whether the negro has been legally ascertained to be a criminal is justly dealt with in the south in the matter of his punishment therefore this line of inquiry leads me into the investigation of the convict lease system which obtains in certain southern states and other unlawful abuses of colored criminals there it is not my purpose in the limited space allotted to consider this phase of the subject at great length but rather to briefly point out its manifest injustice one of the greatest wrongs of the south is its convict lease system and its lynch law and its disfranchising statutes are like unto it although the emancipation proclamation written and promulgated by the immortal lincoln has been operative for more than thirty-six years yet a species of slavery still exists there fostered and nurtured by the statutes authorizing the convict lease system so vile became this evil in anderson county south carolina that the leading officials there denounced it as brutal and barbarous a crime against nature and nature's god a crime against civilization and humanity 
some of the specific charges against the system were that these unfortunate beings without regard to sex were huddled together in prison quarters like so many cattle it has been a foul blot upon the escutcheon of the south second only to the murderous stains made thereon by the lynchers it is a disgrace even to the civilization of medieval times for cruelty and outrage it is unparalleled in the annals of civilized society siberia itself is preferable to the convict camp given the worst form of human slavery plus the barbarities of prison life add to this the horrors of a spanish prison and you have somewhat of an idea of the iniquitous institution of the barbarous convict lease system but as if compounding crime it is asserted with many of the appearances of truth that negro boys and girls upon trivial charges are convicted and sent to the convict camp for the express purpose of securing to the lessees of convicts the benefit of their unrequited toil until they reach their majority thus confined among confirmed criminals they naturally partake in the character of their environments and conceive and multiply vice and criminology this system punishes the real criminal unjustly the ill-gotten gain it offers furnishes the incentive to thrust the innocent into prison pens then too it is claimed with the appearance of truth that unscrupulous white men in certain southern localities actually trump up charges against negro men and procure their convictions and sentence to the convict camp for the double purpose of affording the lessees the comparatively free labor of the alleged criminals and to deprive them of the right to vote while heartily approving of such reasonable punishment as shall deter crime i cannot command no language strong and severe enough to condemn in fitting terms the cruelties and deviltries heaped upon the negro in certain sections of the south in the name and for the sake of those who profit by the convict lease system it is undisputed that some of those sent to the convict camp have been properly found guilty some have been illegally convicted some deserve proper punishment while some by reason of their tender years should have been put into reformatories where they might have been rescued from the life of crime and brought up as law-abiding citizens such institutions may have been intended to protect society from the dishonest and vicious and to repress crime but they are really 
made hotbeds of vice and where sufficient vitality remains in the unfortunates they actually propagate and multiply criminals but if the question should become so varied as to inquire whether the negro in the south charged with crime is justly dealt with in the courts thereof in other words is he afforded a fair trial there it could not be fully answered without taking into consideration the heinous crime with which the negro is generally charged there is nothing more revolting than rape unless it be mob rule there is no true man white or black who would not rejoice to see condign punishment visit upon the brute legally proven guilty of this most diabolical crime the south justifies lynching on the ground that it shields the victim of the crime from the publicity to which a trial of the perpetrator would expose her that is to say the lynchers prefer to violate the organic law which provides that no one shall be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of law they put the mob above the judicial system of the country and arrogate to it greater power to protect the honor of the outraged female and uphold the majesty of the law than a court of justice it is a sad reflection upon the administration of justice even to intimate that the mob which ruthlessly defies the law is better qualified to administer justice than the court established by law to try and determine the guilt or innocence of persons charged with the commission of crime in the dark ages of english history it frequently happened that the person charged with the commission of crime was first executed and afterward his trial was had and if a verdict of not guilty was found his bones were disinterred and given a state funeral but the negro charged with the commission of crime in the south is frequently not granted a trial before or after execution so that the negro is not justly dealt with in the courts of the south even after he has been hung drawn and quartered or burned in some instances where the negro is fortunate enough to confront his accusers in a court in the south the caste prejudice against him too often reduces his trial to a mere mockery of justice the cornerstone of the republic is justice to establish which under liberty its founders set forth upon these hostile shores in the early part of the seventeenth century from that time to the present the slogan of every campaign the rallying cry of every battle 
has been justice in some form or other and yet in the alleged interest of innocence justice in certain localities is often outraged law dethroned and mob rule exalted whether or not the negro charged with crime is justly dealt with in the courts of the south can only be answered relatively for in some localities fair trials are granted even to negroes charged with the commission of crime but for the most part it must be admitted that negroes brought into the courts of the south accused of crime against white people are not afforded a fair trial the reason for this unjust dealing with the negro in the courts of the south is not far to seek he is looked upon as an alien then too the doctrine that he has no rights which a white man is bound to respect is exploded in certain localities only in theory for in practice it is still unmistakably prevalent the crying need of the times is a wholesale respect for law and order and a righteous condemnation of mob rule everywhere every pulpit north and south should speak out against mob rule and lynch law the eloquent divine in greenville mississippi who recently denounced with righteous indignation the damnable outrages of mob violence in that state was as a voice crying in the wilderness for some reason his brethren of the cloth have not seen fit to join him in a crusade against this abominable sin if the southern clergy could only be induced to preach against this evil occasionally there would soon be created throughout the sin-ridden districts such a healthy public sentiment and respect for law and order that these crimes against the state would soon become things of the past nor could there be found throughout our broad land a miscreant who under the influence of the spirit of lawlessness would take the life of our chief magistrate nor would there be anywhere such an illiberal public sentiment as would openly criticize our chief executive for dining a representative member of the race whose feasts even jupiter did not disdain to grace but let us consider the alleged crime for which lynching is attempted to be justified l h perkins esq of the kansas bar association in an address to its annual meeting in july nineteen zero one said quote, lord coke observes there are crimes that are not so much as to be named among christians it is difficult for us in kansas to believe that certain crimes exist crimes against nature 
practiced by force upon defenseless childhood disclosed in criminal records of great cities but there is one crime in kansas that we have learned to know it ought not to be named much less permitted in a christian land the crime and its fit punishment can scarcely be discussed but how else can it be expunged shall it be by fire must he who writes the story of this new-born age still further shock the world and foul the fair name of america by pictures of a howling mob profaning every law of god and man with every bulwark of our rights thrown down the gates of hell unchained and passion loose unbridled as hurricane roaring above the prostrate guardians of the peace annihilating in an hour the civilization of six thousand years death in flames savage bloodthirsty vengeance three things this savory orgy lacks salt and sweet herbs and a good appetite there is a law that in the last extremity in the presence of impending death all barriers are removed all ranks are leveled all rights are equalized supreme necessity is supreme law can it be possible that some such overmastering impulse at times dethrones the public mind and while the fit is on the latent cannibal runs riot in the land it seems it must be so and if it be twill be until we rise to the necessity we may excoriate the cannibal but which of us will now affirm the provocation is not great poor helpless woman why don't she learn to shoot this monstrous crime pursues her like a nightmare it is an ever-present peril to every woman in the land must she shun every alley and fly from every bush lest lascivious eyes be on her and unbridled brutal passion block her way of all the hobgoblins abroad in the night in fact or fancy or in song or story there is none so hideous as the stealthy form of the lecherous brute that leaps forth out of darkness and drags defenceless woman to her ruin and can it be that we who make the laws we who have wives and daughters and sisters and mothers who are dearer than life itself we who honor woman not for her strength but for the very attributes that render her the prey of force can it be that we can make no laws that will protect her or satisfy the public that justice will be done concede that in the sight of god the crime of rape is worse than murder yet is it plain that the punishment should be death 
in the interest of woman herself were it not better that the brutal ravisher have somewhat more to bear if he do also murder else would not the motive to silence forever the most dangerous witness be complete i offer the suggestion of three degrees for rape the first to cover only ravishment by brutal violence and forth the second all the intermediate grades save statutory rape which alone shall constitute the third degree i am no firm believer in the justice of our age of consent and would leave corporal punishment for statutory rape to the discretion of the trial court the terms of imprisonment as now prescribed are doubtless long enough but let us add to them the sting and shame of the ancient whipping-post for the third degree in the court's discretion not more than seven lashes for the second degree two floggings of twenty lashes each soundly administered within twelve months and for the first degree three several floggings of forty lashes each within twelve months and then castration there is much reason in this ancient penalty and the time has come when it should be revived if as some say this morbid and unbridled passion is disease then treat it like appendicitis remove the cause End of quote. mr perkins is on the right track i am glad that he neither endorses lynching nor takes stock in the absurd report from certain sections of the south that all negroes are ravishers of white women i think his suggested remedy against rape a good one for white and black but to return to the consideration of the other phase of the question i desire to say that mrs helen douglas the widow of the lamented frederick douglas has accepted authority on the convict lease system and consequently i am indebted to her for most of the data used in this article touching that subject in a well-prepared lecture on convict leases mrs douglas introduces her theme as follows quote, we know what happens when manufactories are shut down and a vast amount of accumulated material is suddenly thrown upon the market for two hundred and fifty years the south had been manufacturing a peculiar article had been literally stamping this article with its own liniments and putting it upon a market created especially for it the war came the manufactories were closed the material was on hand what should be done with it never in the world perhaps 
has there been a clearer demonstration of the irrevocable nature of law as affecting society and the awful power of habit as the sum of reiterated choice End of quote. at the prison reform convention held in atlanta in eighteen eighty eight dr p d sims of chattanooga tennessee said that the impoverished condition of the south succeeding the war of the rebellion caused it to drift into the convict lease system for which there were many excuses but no justification the lessee buys from the state the discipline of prisoners solely for gain that neither the state nor the lessee had regard to the element of reform or consideration of a philanthropic character that although many good men were engaged in it the system was wrong he presented the statistics of thirty-nine state prisons showing that in the non-leasing prisons the annual mortality was fifteen per thousand while in the leasing it was sixty-four per thousand and that in the former escapes were but five per thousand and in the latter they were fifty-one per thousand he appealed to the south to change the system the lease system was adopted in georgia in eighteen sixty nine both democrats and republicans favoring it the first year there were three hundred and fifty convicts to be hired and the second year the number doubled an investigation showed that one company paid nothing to the state for the labor of its convicts and that although the law provided for a chaplain the state had none that convicts were worked on sundays contrary to law and in some instances whipped to death the evils of the system became so flagrant that a senator on the floor of the senate chamber declared that the rich and powerful were allowed to go free while the poor white person and the ignorant negro were shown no mercy it was proved that even a governor of the state was himself a lessee working state convicts for private gain under a thirty seven thousand dollar bond in force until eighteen ninety nine although he was the convict's only protection against the wrongs of the lessee the ease and facility with which colored persons were sent to the penitentiary kept a goodly supply of prisoners on hand while it was burdensome to taxpayers to keep them within walls it was unjust to mechanics to allow them to learn trades ergo they were leased out to grade streets to work on railroads in mines and the like where their physical powers might be availed of but where they could learn nothing 
save yes and no, axe and hoe. By an act passed in 1876 by the legislature, the Marietta and North Georgia Railroad Company was leased 250 convicts for three years to grade its road where the people were too poor to pay for it. The rest of the convicts the governor was authorized to lease to three penitentiary companies for 20 years for $500,000 to be paid in annual installments of $25,000. In a test case by two of these companies in the Supreme Court of Georgia, it was decided that the lessees acquired a vested right of property in the labor of these convicts, which the legislature could not disregard unless their labor was required by the state, in which case the lessee demanded compensation. The Supreme Court consequently granted an injunction restraining the keeper from delivering said convicts to said railroad company thereby securing to the lessees a legal right of property in the labor of the convicts until the contract is legally terminated in an investigation in eighteen ninety six presided over by governor atkinson captain lowe a lessee testified quote, we do not think ourselves liable for the conduct of whipping bosses they are given their commissions by the state, and we insist that they are answerable to the state alone. We cannot direct the whipping of convicts. It must be done by the bosses. If all the convicts were disabled by whipping, we think the state would be liable to us for loss of time because the whipping bosses are the agents of the state. End of quote lessee lowe admitted he was a close corporation being president secretary treasurer boss and everything else of the company which held no meetings had no stock and declared no dividends attorney general tyrrell held that the convicts were under the care of the lessees whose duty it was to see that they were treated humanely citing the order of eighteen eighty seven by governor gordon to prove that while the whipping bosses were appointed by the governor they were under the control of the lessees governor atkinson said that he did not dream for a moment that the lessees did not consider it their duty to see that the convicts were properly treated mr huff addressing the legislature said that any attempt at reformation of the present system is an absurdity a swindle and a fraud it is a damnable outrage the lessee contract would not stand fifteen minutes before a petty jury i could hang any of the lessees before a petty jury in two and a half hours he said one convict testified that in his case 
the skin came off with every blow inflicted by a soaked strap drawn through sand that twenty bastard children were in one camp a female convict testified that during her prison life of fourteen years she had borne seven children a lessee testified that such irregularities as bastard children would occasionally occur as long as women were guarded by men dr felton addressing the georgia legislature said quote, i stated ten years ago that the state was acting as a procurus for convict camps the legislature is keeping up the supply in accordance with the demand i repeat the accusation here and now Unquote. in eighteen ninety five a number of convicts had their feet so frozen that the flesh and toes rotted off governor atkinson enlightened the legislature of the deplorable condition existing in the convict camps through a report thereon by hon r f wright showing nearly fifty misdemeanor camps in the chain gangs were twenty-seven white and seven hundred and sixty-eight colored convicts generally both races and sexes being together day and night among these were eleven children under fourteen years of age some slept in rude floorless houses some in tents on the bare ground and a few in bunks the bedding was scant and filthy and full of vermin the camps were poorly ventilated the sleeping quarters being generally sweat boxes constructed to prevent escapes there were no hospitals and no preparations for comfort or medical treatment female prisoners dressed in male attire worked side by side with men a member of the legislature declared quote, most lessees would rather see the devil in their camps than a methodist or baptist preacher i do not urge the bill for the negro but for the safety of homes and property crime has increased in the united states more than in any other country on the globe i plead for the orphan boys and girls of the state better send them to a bottomless hell than to james camp Unquote. said the lamented colonel alston Quote, the public knows how hard it is to get testimony in a case like the lease question if a guard kills a man he is not going to tell of it if a lessee chooses to whip one to death who is going to know it if he starves them who is the wiser i never expect to give up the agitation of this question till i can point to my native state redeemed regenerated and disenthralled from this great sin 
and the finger of shame shall no longer be lifted at her as a state that is banking on the crimes and misfortunes of her defenseless and ignorant population Unquote. three months after this colonel alston was shot dead in the state capital of georgia by a sub lessee during a controversy arising from the leasing of some convicts whereupon governor atkinson declared that under heaven and by god's help he meant to lift up the administration of the laws of the state to that high plane that will put an end to these things mr bird of rome georgia by authority of governor atkinson inspected the misdemeanor camps in eighteen ninety seven and reported that private chain gangs were being operated against the law and in spite of the decisions of the supreme court of georgia and that the average penal camp of the state penitentiary is a heaven compared to the agony and torture endured by the misdemeanor convicts in many of these joints he said that mr wright did valiant service for humanity by showing that a bondage worse than slavery was being inflicted upon the convicts who were confined in these quote, hells upon earth unquote. in one camp he said an antebellum residence had been converted into a prison by removing every window and closing up every aperture leaving not even an auger hole for light or air in the centre of the room only eighteen feet by twenty was an open can the reeking cesspool of this dungeon in which sat a sick negro convict confined in this dark sweat-box perishing in another camp after the visit of mr wright the guards took turns at beating a convict to death and buried him in his shackles a respectable citizen asserted that they caught the convict by the shackles and ran through the woods dragging him feet foremost and that when these facts were sworn to before the grand jury of pulaski county it was thought best to hush them up and keep the matter out of the newspapers and out of court as the superintendent of the prison camp had friends on the jury another case sworn to by the coroner's jury was that of a guard who had whipped nearly all the life out of an old negro who said boss you gwine kill me the guard replied with an oath in the affirmative whereupon the convict begged to be shot and thus freed from his sufferings he was chained up to a tree where he died in thirty minutes in another camp a white convict was being boarded at a hotel ten miles away and doing a prosperous business at painting while another white convict 
who had been made night guard and given a gun and the keys to the camp had it so free and easy that he threw up his job and decamped mr boyce of pennsylvania in his instructive work discusses the convict lease system and shows that the sentences of negroes in the south are double those of white men for the same offenses that for petty larceny a negro may be condemned to the criminal class for life albeit he had to steal or starve he shows that the criminal machinery of the south is frequently used to nullify the negro's right of suffrage that no hand is extended to lift him up when he falls and no effort is put forth for his reformation and for this reason the south turns out one-third of the criminals of the whole country that massachusetts expends twenty dollars per capita upon the children of her public schools while mississippi with a heavier tax expends but two dollars per capita in the evening star of washington d c of november sixteenth nineteen o one an exhaustive article on the prison camps of florida appeared although guardedly it favored the effort to make the criminal self-supporting arguing that as he lives on the public when at large he should not be permitted to continue to live on the public when in confinement but it admits that the convict lease system is faulty it says quote, at present offenders of all grades and ages are thrown together and the younger ones learn more evil than they knew at the time of their arrest growing daily more depraved and vicious so long as they remain in bad company it may be possible however to employ most of the convicts at tasks which will not require their close association either at work or in quarters and if that desideratum can be reached the last argument against the leasing of prisoners will be met and the system will be continued indefinitely such minor matters as the corruption of inspectors of which alabama has complained being capable of rebuke through legislation there are now thirteen camps in florida each one of which is technically a state prison and they are under the watch of a supervisor who must visit them at least once in sixty days examine the buildings food clothes and bedding question keepers and convicts as to work punishment and health enforce compliance with the laws and report to the governor every month all leases are for four years and the only cost of its criminals to the state are the salaries of supervisors and a sum of three hundred dollars a year for chaplain service the country expends at least two hundred million dollars per annum in maintaining its convicts in the city of new york alone 
the annual assessment for that purpose is six dollars per citizen where the labor unions have not prevented it society has made the criminal pay his own bills in the south where the people are beginning to show a keenness for money that is not surpassed in the north but where as yet capital is not gathered into such immense and usual sums as in the central and eastern states a new policy has been adopted with regard to the offender he is generally a negro hence he is sent back to slavery he is sold to a farmer a distiller a phosphate miner or a manufacturer for a term of years and his employer pays considerably less to the state than he would otherwise lay out in wages in alabama if a state prisoner or long-termer escapes from his employer he must pay into the public treasury two hundred dollars and one hundred dollars if a county prisoner or short-termer escapes when an inspector is present at a whipping the turbulent convict may be given twenty-one lashes on his bare back in the absence of the inspector the whipping boss is limited to fifteen lashes the guards are of the poor white class dull and illiterate and receive from twenty to thirty dollars per month and their keep in florida shackling is seldom practiced except as a punishment for running away as it interferes with the work of the convict guns and bloodhounds are much in evidence in the convict camps nothing is done for the betterment of the convicts intellectually or otherwise missionaries are graciously permitted to distribute tracts among them white convicts are generally assigned to offices and cook shops or become gang foremen for the white prisoner whatever his offence there is always a hope of pardon but the negro prisoner unless he be a crapshooter or chicken thief congratulates himself on being consigned to open-air work in the convicts camps for he remembers how dreadfully easy in florida it is for a negro to be lynched judge m l gibbs of arkansas said he had known white employers in the south to be in conclusion with magistrates to have colored men committed on the flimsiest pretext simply that they might obtain more free labor on their plantations by means of the convict lease system the eleventh census shows that in the united states there were two thousand four hundred and sixty-eight county jails and only forty-four reformatories there were no reformatories in alabama arkansas florida georgia mississippi north carolina south carolina tennessee and texas great britain supports over four hundred reformatories 
and inebriate schools and they have closed fifty-six out of one hundred and thirteen prisons and jails in ten years and thereby reduced to that extent the amount of material for the manufacture of criminals said judge calhoun of a recorder's court in georgia quote, i tremble when i contemplate the future of little boys who come before me for the first time and are sentenced to the chain gang some of them are bright-faced and intelligent some are orphans many thoroughly penitent and i believe nearly all could be reclaimed could they be sent to a reform school and surrounded with an atmosphere that would benefit instead of contaminate Unquote. mrs helen cook wife of the honorable john f cook of washington d c has established an organization in the district of columbia known as quote, the woman's league unquote, which is doing a wonderful work in reducing the number of those who are brought into the courts to be justly or unjustly dealt with let the good women of the race throughout the country follow her example and do something to rescue the perishing in conclusion let us hope and believe with the widow of the sage of anacostia that quote, meanwhile hampton and wilberforce howard and shaw and fisk and atlanta and tuskegee and other like institutions are silently setting the seal of manhood and womanhood upon a race whose face with ours is set toward a higher and better civilization unquote. end of topic six first paper